Welcome to our online service of Life Church St. Louis on March 22nd. If you're watching on Facebook, I encourage you to let us know where you're watching from by commenting in the comment section. Let's begin with the Word of God, Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let's just commit this time to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning we, we come before you and we come to worship you, to bow down, to submit our lives to you, to kneel before you, our maker, our creator. We confess that we are the created and you are the all-knowing, all-powerful creator. You are our God. You are our shepherd, and we are your sheep. We thank you that you protect us. We thank you that you lead us. We thank you that you provide for us. We pray that you'd speak to us this morning from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, in this time of national and world crisis, it's essential to keep our focus on God and his word. And as we do that, we can move from fear and worry to faith and peace in our lives. Our message today is in the series Prophetic Living. It's very appropriate for our current situation. Prophetic living is living a life that acts and speaks according to the truth of God's word. It's living a life that does not give in to the attacks of the enemy. In this series, we're looking at the life of the prophet Samuel. Samuel lived in times of crisis and times of attacks of the enemy. It was a time also in the nation of spiritual lethargy. People were not close to God. They were not walking with God. And yet Samuel did not give in to the spirit of the age. He lived a life of faith, not fear. He lived a life that was countercultural, a life of integrity. And so today, our message is entitled, Importance of Integrity. When we look at our society today, we see that it's similar to the time of Samuel. Many people are far from God. Currently, in America and really around the world, we are under attack, not from a physical enemy, but from a viral enemy, the disease COVID-19. If you haven't seen it yet, I'd encourage you to watch my last week's message, which is available on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. It's called Coronavirus, Faith, Not Fear. It's also available on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Now today we're going to learn some lessons from the life of Samuel about how to live prophetically in difficult circumstances. Let's first look at some verses in Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 to 16. It says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. I think we can also say that we should do everything not only without grumbling, but without worry. You see, God wants us to be different than our culture. He wants us to shine as lights 
in a dark world. He wants us to base our lives on the truth of God's word. Today we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 12. So let's just take a moment to catch up on what's been going on in Samuel's life. Samuel has been the prophet, he's been the judge, he's been the leader of Israel for many years. He's now growing older. And the people of Israel are demanding a king. A king to be like other nations. But this was not God's will for them. But even so, God gave Samuel permission to anoint King Saul as their leader. And in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel then gives his farewell address as he hands civil leadership from himself over to King Saul. And today, as we study Samuel's words, we're going to learn wisdom and how we can live prophetically in our day and in this time of crisis. My prayer is that we would learn how to grow in faith so that we could shine as lights in a dark world that needs to find hope in Jesus Christ. So first, let's talk about how we can live with integrity. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice and all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. And so Samuel begins his farewell address by acknowledging that he spent his entire life serving the people of Israel that God had made him responsible for. And he was now transitioning his leadership to a new leader, King Saul, a new king who was now their civil leader. Samuel's role as spiritual leader, however, was not over. We're going to see that today, and we're going to see that as we go on in this series in future messages. Samuel had lived a life of integrity, serving the Lord and the people his whole life. It was quite a testimony. Samuel had treated everyone fairly. Verse 3 says, Samuel is speaking here, he says, Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? And so Samuel was speaking to the whole of Israel gathered before him, thousands of people. He was asking the people before whom he was speaking whether he had treated anyone unfairly. Had he taken things from them that was theirs? Had he cheated anyone? Had he done anything in his leadership that was not the best for other people? What an amazing series of questions. What an amazing amount of transparency Samuel had to ask the people those type of questions. Samuel was not aware of anything that he had done unfairly, and now he was asking the nation to judge him if he had failed in any area over the past decades of service. He continues and talks about whether he treated others kindly. Verse 3 continues, Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose, whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me, and I will restore it to you. They said, the people of Israel, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And so Samuel goes on to assert that he has not oppressed anyone. He has not treated anyone unkindly. He's never taken a bribe to treat people unjustly. 
with thousands of people before him, surely someone would have something to say that he had done wrong, if he had done anything wrong in his whole life. And yet, the response of the people was, indeed, Samuel, you've lived a life of integrity before us. You've lived a life of treating people fairly, a life of treating people kindly in, in every way. And so in a nation that as a whole was not walking before God, Samuel stood as a light in the midst of a dark generation. And so the question for us today is how can we live our lives in integrity in a nation that really is spiraling away from God? We faced this challenge for years as our nation morally has and spiritually has gone into decline. But now in this time of crisis, the challenge is, is greater than ever. The challenge is to treat others with to treat others with fairness as we respect and honor the leadership that God has put in our country. To follow the guidelines that have been set forth to combat this virus. Those who are young and healthy with lesser risk need to take consideration of how their behavior could impact those who are at greater risk if they do not follow the guidelines. As a church, we are part of the Assemblies of God. And both we and our denomination are committed to following all the government guidelines. First of all, to demonstrate God's love for our neighbors. And secondly, to honor God as we obey the authorities that he has put over us. And finally, we should ask God how we can reach out and help those around us, both within our church family and those outside of our church family. How can we demonstrate God's love in this crisis? What kind of words of kindness can we speak? Words of encouragement to those around us. What kind of acts can we do to help those who are in need and perhaps sick or having trouble in one way or another? As a church, although we can no longer meet on Sunday mornings, we're going to continue to function to spread God's word through message and prayer. And we're going to look at new ways that we can meet together virtually and reach others as well. And our prayer is that God would use us in this time of crisis to draw others to himself. Not only are we to live lives of integrity, but we are to call others to God. Samuel continues his speech before the nation of Israel in verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 12. He says, now therefore stand still that I might plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. And so in this next section of Samuel's address to the people of Israel, he calls the people back to God. He pleads with them to get, to get right with God and to not stray from him. He asks the people to consider how God has acted in the past and how the people have responded to God. Everything that God had done for them in the past has been righteous. It's been just. And yet the people had a history of straying from God. And so Samuel needed to speak some words of correction. Verses 8 and 9, he begins to describe some of the history of Israel. He says, when Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord. 
And the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, and he sold them into the hand of the Philistines, and they fought against them. So now Samuel begins to talk about a reoccurring pattern that has happened throughout Israel's history. He begins with the example of Israel being oppressed as slaves in Egypt. And as they were oppressed as, as slaves, what was the people's response? Well, their response was the right response, a good response. They cried out to God for deliverance. And God answered their prayers. He delivered them from Egypt and brought them eventually into the promised land. But what happened there? Things were good, and the people forgot the Lord. And they began to worship other gods, and the result was that God's judgment began to fall upon them. And they began to be oppressed by the enemies around them, including the Philistines. And so the cycle of attack, of being attacked, crying out to God for deliverance, followed by God delivering them, then forgetting God again, and attacks coming once again. And so Samuel was giving the people words of correction. He was calling for repentance to break this cycle, to avoid the cycle of God's judgment coming again. He also gave the people words of instruction. There are a number of other examples in 1 Samuel 12 that you can read from the history of Israel that Samuel gave in his speech I'd encourage you to read this week, 1 Samuel chapter 12, to see uh, everything that is there that we don't have time to speak about this morning. But beginning in verse 14, he says, If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. And so rather than continuing this cycle of rebelling against the Lord, the people were to fear, serve, and obey the Lord. Samuel was giving them instruction. He's giving them warning. And if they did that, things would be well with them. But if they disobeyed, if they rebelled again, if they forgot the Lord, then the judgment of God would come upon them once again. And so Samuel was calling the nation to put their faith in and obey the Lord. And so in the time of crisis that we are in in America and indeed around the world, an unprecedented pandemic that's upon us, it's important for our church and for believers everywhere to, to continue to call others to God. He is the only one who can truly save us and deliver us. As a church, we're going to continue to have online messages presented on a weekly basis in our, at our normal service times at 10 a.m. on Sunday. We'd encourage you to watch the messages on Facebook where you can interact via the comment section. After the message, our plans are to have a Facebook Live session with Pastor Dan, myself, where you can ask questions and give prayer requests that we can pray for. And as you share these online meetings with others, we can continue to reach out. We're also going to be exploring ways to video conference, small group Bible studies, and prayer meetings, and we'll be communicating these opportunities with you in the weeks to come. As individuals, what can we do? Well, each of us 
should look to keep in touch and encourage others around us as the restrictions on our gathering become more and more stringent. Uh, as of today, it's as of coming Monday, it's going to be each person is to be shelter in their own home unless they're working in an essential business. So how can we keep in touch? How can we encourage others in our families, our church family, in our, in our friends around us? Well, because of technology today, we can communicate in a number of ways. Obviously, we can communicate by phone calls. We can communicate by email, by text, by Facebook, by FaceTime. And there are many other ways that we can communicate safely. So I believe that this time of crisis is a great opportunity to bring hope and God's truth to a fearful and hurting world. We need to continue to trust in God's faithfulness. 1 Samuel 12, verse 16, Samuel says, Now therefore, speaking to the people of Israel, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. And so as we live with integrity, as we call others to God, we must put our trust, we must put our faith in God's faithfulness. God is sovereign and nothing happens outside of his control. Although God did not cause this pandemic, he's allowed it to happen. And God can and will work good from everything that happens as we put our trust in him. Now Samuel knew that the people needed to see a demonstration of God's greatness. They needed to be reminded that God has great power. And so he tells them in verse 17, Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. And you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourself a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. So at harvest time in Israel... Rain and thunder were very unlikely. It hardly ever happened. And of course, it was even more unlikely that someone could call on it and it would immediately come. But Samuel, a prophet of great faith, Samuel, a prophet that God spoke to, he prophesied that he would call on the Lord and the Lord would immediately send thunder and rain to demonstrate his power. Samuel prayed and God sent the thunder and and the rain, and the end result was the people feared God and also his prophet Samuel. And so once God had demonstrated his power to the people of Israel, Samuel then called the people to serve God wholeheartedly. Verse 20, and Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. And so one does not need to be afraid of God's judgment if, if they're serving God with all their heart. Now what is the alternative to serving God wholeheartedly? Well, Samuel tells us here it's turning aside to empty things. Things that have no value, things that have no power. He's speaking of idols. Sometimes we think we don't have idols today, but yes, we do. Idols have always existed, whether they're little carved images that people bow down to or they're things that they have in their life that they put greater than God in a place of greater importance than God in their lives. 
And so in this crisis that we are having today, God is showing the emptiness of idols, things like money, things like power, as we see how fragile life is and how we are helpless in many ways without God's help to fight back against it. Only God can deliver from attacks of the enemy. And we need to understand that God has great love for us. Verse 22, Samuel continues, he says, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. And so not only does God have great power, he also has great love. He has great compassion. He won't leave or forsake his people. Now, who are God's people today? Well, God's people are, are those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And even when God brings judgment, he always gives people an opportunity to repent and to receive his forgiveness and his grace. And those who are walking with God must show his love to others and pray for those in need. Samuel says in verse 23, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way. And so Samuel knew that his responsibility was to pray for others in need. In fact, it would be a sin against the Lord not to pray for others. Oftentimes we think of all sin as being sins of commission, things that we do wrong. This was a sin of omission. By omitting to pray for the people of Israel, Samuel would be sinning. So praying for others is not an option for a believer. It's a command of the Lord to disobey, to pray only for ourselves, to not pray for those who are suffering around us is contrary to God's will. It is a sin. And so in closing, Samuel vowed to pray for the people and to continue to instruct them in the way that they should go. And so in this closing portion of Samuel's address, we, we learn that in times of transition, in times of crisis, we can depend on God's great power. Nothing is impossible for God and his great love and compassion. Our responsibility is to serve God wholeheartedly and to pray for those in needs. With all of their needs. And so in this unprecedented time of social distancing. It's something we've never experienced before. Let's pray for one another. Pray for others in the church family. If you're part of this church family. And pray for those who are outside. Many do not have a church family to receive prayer from. And we can be Jesus' hands and feet as we pray for those people. Ask God how you can stay in communication with others, with the tools that we have. We already talked about it, phone calls, emails, texts, Facebook, FaceTime, Skype. The list goes on and on, the tools that God has made available to us. As a church, we're going to be looking at additional ways to, to stay connected for this season when we cannot meet in person. But most of all, let's trust in God's faithfulness, his power, and his love. And so this morning, through his word, God is speaking to us in this time of crisis to live with integrity, to call others to God, and to trust in his faithfulness. And I'm convinced that God is going to work good out of this crisis, both for, for
for each of our family, for all of our families, for our church family, and for our nation. And let's pray that God works good out of this, that God takes this very difficult time to turn people's hearts to himself. Now this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to become a believer, to become a Christian according to what the Bible teaches. Most people in America claim to be Christians. They have different reasons, but the Bible provides the way to become a believer. It's not just something we call ourselves. There are certain things we need to believe, certain steps that we need to take. First of all, A, we need to admit that we've sinned, that we've done things that are contrary to God's word. And we need to repent. We need to turn away from that sin. Secondly, we need to be, believe in Jesus Christ, believe that he died on the cross, took our sins upon himself, paid the penalty for those sins that we might be forgiven. We need to ask him to forgive us, to come into our lives. And after he died on the cross, three days later, he rose from the dead. So he's alive today and we commit our lives to serving him, to serving the risen Lord as our Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. If you're watching this online, I encourage you to bow your heads right now. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I want, would like to ask you to follow along with me and make this commitment together. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've, I've done wrong things. Things that have hurt you. Things that have hurt others. And today, I make a choice to Turn away from those things. I repent of my sin. And I turn to you. I, I put my faith in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Paid the penalty for my sin that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe you wrote, Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive today. I commit my life to serving him as my Lord and Savior all of my days. Amen. And for those who are believers, let's pray as well about the season that we are in. Father, today we thank you that you are sovereign. We thank you that nothing happens outside of your control. Even this coronavirus pandemic. We ask that you'd help each one of us to live in faith, not in fear. Use us to speak your love and your encouragement to those around us. May we speak to others in this time through all the means of communication that you've blessed us with. May we trust in your faithfulness. May we believe in your great power. May we take comfort in your love and compassion as we seek to serve you wholeheartedly. We pray we wouldn't just be concerned about ourselves, but you would remind us to continue to pray for those in need around us. We ask that you would use this crisis to turn people's hearts towards you here in St. Louis, in Missouri, in America, and across the world. We ask for your protection on the Assemblies of God missionaries that are serving you in hundreds of countries around the world. We ask that you would give our leaders in government and our doctors in the medical fields wisdom to defeat this disease quickly. Bring healing to those who are ill. And may effective treatments soon be developed. We put our trust 
Not in doctors, not in research, not in leaders, but we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our stewardship scripture this week is 1 Samuel 6, verses 8 and 9. It says, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So even in tough times like we are in, God wants us to learn to be content. He wants us to learn to trust him to supply all of our needs. And as we trust him, he's going to provide so that we can continue to support our church, our missionaries, and the people around us who are in need. Online giving is available at lifechurchstlouisorg slash give. And if you would like, checks can be mailed into our church office at 15036 Clayton Road, Chesterfield, 63017. I want to say thank you to all those who are continuing to faithfully give to God and support our church family and our missionaries. If you're watching this service on Facebook, Sunday, March 22nd at 10 a.m., stay tuned for a Facebook Live session. I'll be there around 10.30 a.m. where you can ask questions and have your prayer requests prayed for. I look forward to meeting you again then. God bless.